How many of you thought that was pretty awesome? All right. Hang on just a second, because there's something really powerful that needs to happen tonight in the spirit. And it's a significant thing. And uh, I'd, I'd like Laura to share with me. I know I'm catching you off guard, which I do all the time. Laura came up to me, and she did not know what was I was thinking and what we were the direction we were going tonight. She did not have a clue. But I, go ahead and sit down just a second. And so I want Laura to just share what you share with me as much as you can remember. Wow, okay. So, uh, hi everybody. I love you guys so much. And you'll know why I'm just, I mean, I loved you before this story, but the, I've been praying. So I had a very, very dark old man experience. I'm 39. I came to know the Lord about a year and a half ago. <laughs> um, and Jesus and I get pretty real um, when, we, when, when I pray and when we talk. I talk to him like I talk to, I, I keep telling him, you know, I have to be my most comfortable with you because if I can't be comfortable with you and be real with you, who can I be real with? And so I kind of get in his face sometimes, and then I apologize, but I do. I, you know, and, wh and one of those things that I just say, what is up with that? And that's been one of my what is up with that conversations that I've been having with the Lord for the last year and a half is, why did I have to uh, wade through the, the deep belly of the prison up here and be tortured because it was a deep, dark place. And I was surrounded by death on, in many different ways at every turn most of the time. So I, so I kind of had an issue about that, even though I know he loves me. I know that. And I've been asking, and I haven't gotten an answer yet until this morning, and uh, we were worshiping, and I'm shaking a little bit. Um, the Lord said to me, I had to wait so that you could be born into the right family. And I immediately knew that he was telling me the truth. Of course he was. But. And then he said to me, wasn't it worth the wait? And, of course, the answer was yes. And um, I understood his purpose, and I understood, um, like, when I first met all these guys, and they just, like, uh, Jessica was one of the people that prayed for me. Derek Cook is not here, but he was the other person I work with at the bus garage. He prayed for me, too. And um, and I was radically encountered. I encountered Christ in a really radical way. Um wow. Oh, yeah, he showed up in my bedroom, woke me up one morning, and I didn't know much about him at all, actually. And, yeah. um, and from that moment on, my life has 
completely changed from death to life. Anyway, I fit in with these guys so naturally and I n had never felt that I fit in anywhere. And the little nasty loudspeaker in my mind would tell me things like, it's too good to be true, that you belong. Or things like, well, it works for now, but will it last? And so, I, I sort of kind of, for a few other reasons, but that one as well, I kind of like left Laramie thinking that, thinking that it wasn't real. And that I, I, because I'd never really fit in anywhere. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I never had. And um, anyway, when I, when I prayed about, and then Papa Tim this summer, I, I made it down to tribal. Well, Jesus got me to tribal in Laramie, FYI. <laughs> he, like, totally did. Because I was, I was a, bit, a little bit nervous about sort of coming back. And Papa Tim looked, to me, looked at me across the room, and he said, you need to come back. And then everybody was telling me that at Tribal. Like, where did you go? Why are you gone? We don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get it. W like, we, you just fit in with us so well. And, like, it's so easy to be around you. Like, messages I'd never had before in my life. You know, I always, always felt stress whenever I would hang out with social groups. And um, anyway... My story's not, it's not just my story. Like, I know that God, through Christ, through his like understanding of humanity, wants us to belong to each other Amen. and to not feel like we can't land in a family. Yeah. Like we can land and it's okay to do it and and all the darkness, the years of darkness was worth it to be with you guys. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let me break this down for you. No. When I came to Jesus in 1971 in the Jesus movement, we had profound encounters with Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit. I kid you not, it was staggering, and it caused a move of God that swept across the world. And most of the major ministries today came out of that Jesus movement. If we could ask those guys in the back to just... Um... But here's the problem. When a revival that hit 
is not God's ideal. Because revival implies something's died and been dead a long time, and God has to resuscitate something dead. And so we talk in glorious terms about revival, but it's, it's not God's ideal when something dies. And you know why it died? Because the father's hearts weren't turned to the children, and the children's hearts weren't turned to the father, and there was not a divine connection in the spirit world where people could transfer the anointing of God, and, and parents dropped the ball, and generations dropped the ball, and, and people were running around the planet as orphans. So when the Lord came and visited us, orphaned, flower children, hippie, broken, drug addicted, sexually addicted, jacked up, looking for life. We were the lost boys, the lost girls, just like Laura. But when revival came, there was a big missing piece. There wasn't an organic family in place to absorb us. There were only institutions and meetings and programs. And and so a bunch of us were thrust into leadership. I mean, when I got born again in my denomination, nobody knew what to do with me because they didn't even know the term born again. So I was a freak of nature in my own church, and they said, don't worry, he'll get over it. And so I, nobody knew what to do with me. I had all this fire and all this power and all this energy, and all we did was hang out in Bible studies, and we just did whatever we could to find each other but we were so broken emotionally and relationally and, and mentally that our souls were so fractured that, you know, we were born again and we were very gifted, but we did not have fathers and mothers to raise us well who were emotionally healthy enough to, to walk us through the stages of maturity and to heal us enough from our traumas in life. So we, we found each other traumatized, immature, and broken. And guess what happened? Because there weren't a lot of people around us to lead us, we ended up being promoted as leaders in our 18, 19, 20-year-old, broken, traumatized, dysfunctional, and we're the leaders. And so over a period of 40 years, we've been trying to find our way forward through the maze of broken relationships and split churches splitting and and trying to find our way forward as boomers, trying to learn how to do life. And many of us fell away in the Jesus movement, and we're not following Jesus today. We're broken. We're, in, we're jaded. We're cynical. We slipped back into materialism. And our idealism to change the world got jaded by discouragement and hope sickness. Because we didn't have older, older people to steward our hearts under pressure. And so, God has taken and culled out of this boomer generation a bunch of gray hairs that are now, their ambition is pretty well squeezed out of their, out of their, the juice of ambition, selfish ambition, been squeezed out. They don't really have any more gas left into the tank to promote themselves. They've learned a few things about how to handle relationships They've uncovered some inner healing principles and some life together. And you know what the Lord wants to do now? He wants another Jesus movement to hit the planet, but he's waiting on a few people to get their act together so they'll pull off family life well enough so he's got a family to birth people into, like Laura. Like Laura. A success story because we had just enough health 
Not a lot, but just enough. Just enough. Just enough emotional and relational intelligence. Just enough resilience. Just enough of the gospel of grace to not judge and condemn and create a safe environment where people could come into that safe environment and not be criticized and judged. And we would work through no matter the residue of their fallen life without criticism and judgment. Just enough of the gospel of grace. Just enough of the revelation of the finished work of the cross. Just enough inner healing and deliverance. Just enough relational skill. Just enough anointing from the Lord. And just enough sovereign joinings at the heart and the mind level to form enough of a family that we could absorb Laura into the body of Christ. So what's happening right now is they, there is a massive move of the Spirit of God coming to the earth again. Only this time, the Lord wants Jesus, a Jesus movement, but in a Jesus family. Because Jesus is bringing, it says, many sons or daughters to glory. And how can you be a son or a daughter brought into glory without the benefit of a whole bunch of people that think you're awesome? And are going to help you get to be like Jesus because you won't become like Jesus in isolation. How many of you understand that? You, you know, I love prayer meetings. And I love things like this. But I want to tell you something. You've got to have life on life, heart connection. It says in 1 Peter 1, loving each other deeply from the heart. There's got to be that organic connection of unconditional love in family to facilitate our destinies and our wholeness. A prayer, a prayer center won't just do it as good as it is. A teaching center won't just do it as good as it is. A, an institution or a program won't do it as good as it is. The only thing that will make you like Jesus is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the context of family. How many of you understand that? So right now, everybody's walking around the planet looking for their people. And the people that they're supposed to draw into have a sound coming out of their spirit. There's a sound of heaven. Do you understand what I mean? There's a harmony. There's a sound that emits out of their spirit. There's a, there's a river. And you'll know your people because they have a DNA about them that matches your DNA. They have a, an, a, an essence, a sense of what God's doing in their life. And they know in their knower that they're connected on this journey to bring the kingdom of God to earth with this particular people. Now, we're a part of the whole family of God. We love Roman Catholics. We love Episcopalians and Presbyterians and Baptists. And I, you know, I, 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 love, I love friends and Quakers. And I'm, I want to be an honorary member of every one of them. Seriously, I am a son of God. I belong to the whole body of Christ. You know? And then I know that there's streams in the body of Christ that have that I'm more that I'm more attuned to. The, 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 the people that are more open to the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the people that are, you know, I have a there's a whole group of people that I would identify with as as a little more I mean it's it's hard for me as much as I love the the liturgical movements, for example, the Orthodox movements very hard for me to identify with icons and identify with those things. It's not like I think they're bad or evil. I don't even think they're doing idolatry. It's visual aids to help come to the unseen realm. But I just don't identify with that. 
But I do identify with a, a, a segment of the body of Christ that is open to healing for today, the gifts of the Spirit, expressive worship like what we had tonight. You know, that's just, and there's a lot of us out there, a lot. I mean, we're the fastest growing wing of the body of Christ, by the way, in the world. This wing of the church is by far and away the fastest growing wing of the church, the evangelical charismatic uh, Pentecostal wing of the church. But then you've got to find your people that you've got to do the one another passages with. You know, bear one another's burdens. Be there for each other under pressure. Help each other see the blind spots without condemning and judging. Helping people find their true self rather than their false self. Eating meals together, laughing for, together, helping people recover from crisis. Creating an atmosphere where joy, where there's a resilience in life to return back to joy again quickly. You can't do that without healthy people around you, you know, bringing the atmosphere of heaven and reminding you who you are and good newsing you and telling you who you are, telling what you're called to, because I guarantee you, you don't think high enough of yourself and you got to get around people that are more mature than you that see you by the Spirit. You can't do it without, you cannot look at yourself and them, you cannot look at yourself and tell you what you look like. Somebody has to reflect you back to you from the outside. So when Laura comes over and says, you build all this for me. Like, for 20 years, all this stuff that you've been doing, you did this for me, didn't you? And I said, exactly. And she goes, well, thank you very much. <laughs> and, and there's people that I had to, you know, it's like my firstborn child, which is Alyssa right here. <laughs> hey. I had to practice parenting on Alyssa. God bless her. Now, she's pretty amazing and pretty resilient, but it's not because of me more her mom and Jesus than my accidents. But I tell you what, we did practice and we fought to love her well. And, but in the body of Christ, I've had to practice on so many people not understanding. And I had such a strong revelation of tribe, of translocal families, families that were from other parts of the world that had different colors, different cultures, different ethnicity. We needed to reveal what heaven's like on the earth. And I knew that a family had to be black and Hispanic, and it had to be Asian, it had to be you know, Native American, it had to be just varied and creative and wild and crazy, and people had to be themselves. You couldn't cookie-cutter people into a little script because God works with living stones, not bricks. And so God wants everybody to be, you know, creative and awesome, and that's men and women and boys and girls, and God wants a safe family, but a tribe that is, that is across geographic boundaries. That's, that's the model of the New Testament. So I got really energized by that vision, and I've made every mistake in the book, I think, but, you know, we've been trying to get there in, in Jesus, and I think we're getting closer to that. We're not... We're excited about the whole church, the whole body of Christ. We're not just ex excited about our little, uh, you know, tribe called the Rock Tribe. We want to bless the whole church. So we started a, a ministry called Jesus Tribes. That's in order to tribalize the body of Christ. How th what a great statement. Like, we want to be a catalyst to teach people how to do relationships, even though we're not all that great at it. But we just think it's so important. You know why? Because there's tens of thousands upon millions of orphans 
who know Jesus but haven't found Jesus in skin form. They know Jesus, but they don't have a family. And so because they're nervous about people, they're going to teaching centers, they're going to prayer meetings, but they're not going to open their heart and do life on life because they're scared they're going to get judged and rejected, just like Laura. But somehow, we good news her enough to where we, she was squeegeed off from the rejection in her heart, and she found her way back into, into proximity with us. And we didn't say we, you need to come home because we're a controlling group. What we said was, you're not fully baked yet. Your, your, your identity isn't clear enough yet. You haven't fully got the inner healing you need to be that, to, to that life-giving spiritual mom that she's been called to be. She's absolutely one of the more catalytic people I know. And so she just needed more opportunity to be love-bombed by Sherry and by you. Now tonight, I want to ask a few of you to come up and I, I want you to really pay attention to what's going to be said. And I want you to listen to everyday people who have fought through the pain of horizontal relationships. I'm talking about major betrayals, major disappointments, major setbacks. They came into relationships without the tools, without the relational tools, without the really best theology, so that they, mixed, they slipped in and out of mixed grace and got critical. I'm saying a bunch of people, orphaned, that found each other in a family and had to fight through their orphanness to come out on the other side to create a context of safety for other people to find Jesus. And I'm going to invite a few of you up that are leading microchurches right now. We call them missional kingdom families. They're small spiritual families on mission. They're little family platoons. And I want you to understand that there's a move coming that, are gonna, that is going to result in an explosion of interconnected, uh, multiplying small spiritual families on mission that is going to flood the Midwest. It's going to flood Wyoming and, and Colorado. It's going to flood the United States. It's going to go worldwide. These are... These are whatever you want to call them, family groups, cluster groups, life groups. I really don't care what you call them. But they're going to be legitimate spiritual families with healthy spiritual parents that have healthy uh, relational skills and love for Jesus. They're, they're, whole, they're whole as much as whole can, you, know, you can get with a little probably brokenness. And, but they're not going to be isolated and, and stand alone. They're going to be connected organically with, with uh, five-fold ministry gifts and accountability and love because they, they don't fully trust that they could not be knocked out by hell. They're not going to be so arrogant as to think that they can operate independent of the larger family of God. So they're not that stupid. They're going to stay in close proximity with other leaders because they know how dangerous it is to enter into this life of relationships where a thousand landmines could be stepped on and blow a leg off. This is hard work. It's difficult. Most people don't have the guts to enter into it. Or let's put it this way, they're so traumatized and broken that they wouldn't dare go into someone else's living room and open their heart. And I don't blame them. Some of the worst settings I've ever been in is in small groups. Some of the most abusive experiences I've ever had spiritually are in small groups, small spiritual families, where people got, you know, they had Bible arguments and, quote, sword fights 
and they began to get critical, and so, or somebody was insecure, and they wanted to be a wannabe preacher, and so they hijacked the whole meeting and talked the t- whole time in an unanointed and awful way. I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? I don't want to waste my time with this dysfunctional situation whatsoever. So the Lord goes, uh, not, you don't get out of this so easy, bub. That is my model. Jesus had 12, Moses had 10. This is my model. Family life, spiritual family is my model biblically speaking so you can't just quit because it stinks you can't overreact you have to go and grow in competency as a leader and help other people become competent so Lisa, could you reach in that box and pull out there's a I want to show you um, a love manual just pull one out this this represents 30 years of pain and it's really it's really just principles of how to love well it's really not a script you can't follow a script when you're in family life now here's why this is so important for you what Laura just said has profound implications for you because most of us in life are driving with the brakes on when it comes to relational life We have a thousand ways to stiff arm people and to kung fu moves of the heart to stay stay safe, to self-protect. How many of you know what I'm just talking about? I guarantee you, your self-protect mechanisms are so sophisticated, you want nothing, you're so terrified of the idea of transparency and intimacy that you aren't going to wander into that place and let anybody have the power to hurt you like that. You guys get what I'm talking about here? It's, this is a lot safer to stare at the back of someone else's head and worship and then, or talk, you know, listen to somebody talk at you and then go home and then just be lonelier than hell for the rest, you know, for the rest of the week. All right. But if you're going to do it the God way, you're going you're to have to go through a portal or a doorway through a lot of dis, dis, uh, discomfort and into hard, difficult conversations. Now, people don't join churches to have hard, difficult conversations. They join church to feel good in whatever they do. But if we're going to grow, we're going to have to have safe, wonderful, difficult conversations. And so I put this book up in front of you because it represents not just my learning, but the learning of a lot of people. And there have been casualties of war in our learning curve. I just need you to know that. There's a lot of casualties to war. And a lot of people got hurt, got offended, got whatever, and pulled back and then resorted back to a little safer model. But I'm, gonna, I'm here to announce before the Lord, before the angels that are in this room, before you, that God is unleashing a Jesus movement in the world that is going to be so powerful, but this time he is going to have a Jesus family, a Jesus' tribes to catch those new believers and, and raise them properly. Will there be mistakes? Oh my gosh. Just like the way you make mistakes when you're raising your kids. Will there be weirdness? Of course there will be. But with enough people bearing down on your situation and helping you, there'll be corrections and learning. There'll be a learning curve. 
But I'm praying for the Midwest because I'm from here. This is my hometown. This is my people. This is where I am. Even though I have another place somewhere west, I don't want to tell you because you'll get, you know, maybe jealous, but uh, I'm just kidding. No, I have another property. But you know what? I have a lot more properties I own in Kansas City than I own in Colorado. This is our home. The Midwest is our home. And we want to see in the buckle of the Bible belt a massive move of the Spirit that blows religion out of this city and releases the authentic Jesus in this place. And it's going to be Jesus, a ton of Jesus, in Jesus' family. And I call them tribes because it's a family of families. And it doesn't have to be our tribe. I don't care what tribe it is. Just get in one. Jesus tribes, and I believe, by the way, a lot of denominations are going to be turned into tribes before this is all over. I absolutely believe that. 100%. The leaders are going to get convinced that their model isn't really helping people become like Jesus, and they're going to have to admit that. It's going to be very painful for them. They're going to do a lot of soul searching, and they're going to, you know, I'm talking about leaders of main denominations. And when some simple questions are asked, like, are people really becoming like Jesus on your watch from the inside out? And are they maturing in wholeness in Christ and discovering in their gifts and bringing the kingdom of God in the marketplace? They're going to have to answer some hard questions before this is over. And, and after it's over, they're going to have to go straight back to the Bible and figure out that what we're talking about is the way you're going to have to do it. Hard, difficult, life-on-life -life relationships called fathering and mothering and family life with siblings and everything, and it's messy and messy and messier. Everybody just say messy. Love and relationships are messy, but religious spirits want you to script it and program it and make it tidy so you can demessify it to, to, to create safety for your heart. But I'm going to tell you, love is messy, and love is painful. And love suffers. That's how we got to do it. And, and, and you know what? There's no branding on this. This is just Jesus. And Jesus' tribes. And Jesus' kingdom on earth. Those three things are the river that Chanel got drawn back to. It's the river of God. Those three things make up this river of God that's going to gush through the nations. Do you know how much they need this in Myanmar? Lydia met us in Myanmar, and she, she's weeping. She, oh, well, we met before, but we, she set the stage for us to go to Myanmar, and she was just weeping. Tell them, these people don't have functional family life. They don't have functional relationships here in Asia. I'm like, this is a universal problem. It is not just an inner city problem. It's a Mission Hills problem. It's a Lenexa problem. It's an Overland Park problem. This is, a, you know... Lee Summit problem and a Raytown problem. It's not just here. It's everywhere. It's epidemic. And God is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children back to the fathers and create settings for this. Now, I need Andrew to come up here. Andrew, you come up here. And a couple of you, uh, and, and you know what, just, just stand next to him while he just, your man just does his thing. Just... Oh, yeah, when you're in Wyoming, you never leave, you never are found without a water bottle. Andrew, just share 
a little bit about your journey into relationships and micro church life and yeah. Andrew is a missional kingdom family leader with it Jessica both of them are mm -hmm. and by the way we have women and I'm gonna have Sue you share you're gonna get to share Sue tonight I want a few of you to share for you to catch the wide range of people that God wants to use to provide spiritual parenting and, and not one of them started off healthy Z not one zero including me especially me so there you go awesome thanks Papa T uh, it's it's amazing to be back here every year when we come back my heart is just uh, very full of joy and life and love because really and I say this every year but I mean it with complete sincerity um, this was in some ways is like a spiritual home for us Kansas City literally um, our scripts our lives our hearts got just messed up in Kansas City at a tribal gathering 10 years ago and it literally it changed our lives micro church tribe Jesus movements what, 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 whatever we want to call it to describe what God is doing on the earth literally transformed our marriage personally our family and is incrementally changing Laramie one person at a time right Laura come on just got rocked watching hearing Laura tonight that was just powerful Wow. And, um, you know, yeah, we started Jesus Movement, micro church life jacked up and religious and uh, <laughs> orphaned and hurting and pretty messed up. And Jesus is like slowly healing us and giving us just enough substance that we can bring in new sons and daughters, new, new brothers and sisters in Christ, one person at a time. But it's a journey. And yeah, there's pain, there's betrayals and setbacks, and times when you think, wow, is this worth it? I've been tempted to think that. There's no doubt about it. I have been tempted to think, man, it would be easier to go back to a, and I, I don't say this with any kind of judgment, just a safer model where you have less of your heart on the table and less opportunity for disappointment and betrayal and setbacks. But you know what, for us, there's no plan B. You know, there's no plan B. I mean, why, we can't, we couldn't do it another way. And um, it would be, I was talking with uh, just different conversations this week, and one of them was just with Adrian today. He said, to do it any other way would be fake. We would be faking it. And I can't live life fake. There's just enough fake and enough just dis, just, lack of genuineness, uh, uh, disingenuous spirit that robs me and us and of life that we just can't do it fake anymore. And that's hard. And you know, we're, we're, we're not perfect at this, but I'll tell you, it's worth it. I had a coach in, in high or in college um, when I ran track, he said he, he would inspire us with this, but it's really stuck with me. He said, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. And I'll tell you, coming back here this time around, even being here again this, this week, yesterday, last night, this morning, I am being healed by tribe. Like my, light, my heart is experiencing just layers of healing and breakthrough. You know, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. 
You know, I was just, I, it started last night, just coming into the worship and just the presence of God. And I was standing next to Bob. Bob and Diane have known me since I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, you know? And, and I didn't even know what you were going to share about. I don't even know if it was last night or this morning, but I was just standing next to Bob, just allowing Jesus to love me through Bob. And I was like, wow, this guy is 70 plus. He still loves Jesus. And he's, he's in, he drove 10 hours to hang out with a Jesus tribe. Like, there's not a lot of 70-year-olds that drive 10 hours to hang out with Jesus tribes. You know? And he's healing people just by loving them. So is Diana. She's sitting next to Chris, and Chris is getting messed up by Jesus. You know, this is it. This is, this is what Jesus is doing on the earth. And so, and then to hear, and then I just got a deeper revelation of Tim this weekend. Like, this man is laying down his life for love. There's no gain in it. What I mean? There's no gain. And I'm like, man, this guy, Jesus and Tim has changed my life. And he surrounds us with guys like Sam and Mike Michael, and others, and I mean, what a gift, and these, these men of God of stature, 70, 60, 70 years old, come in and share their hearts, they don't teach sermons and give Bible lessons, you know, I grew up with that, that sucks, it's good, anointed teaching is awesome, but having people just kind of lecture you with Bible lessons is not awesome, and these guys come and share their heart, the substance of Jesus and that just like heals me because it's Jesus talking. And that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're trying to describe. That's what we're aspiring to is intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with Christ and one another that heals hearts and invites the lost because they say, well, I don't have that. I've got, I've got, you know, I got nothing, really, at the end of the day. I got some football, I got some porn, I got a cell phone that I kind of escape what, uh, life on, and that's it. And you guys have love. You got, you got something, you got substance. I want that. You know, and so someone, you know, so my wife and Jamie, where's Jamie? My wife and Jamie and one other person and Brittany, you know, part of our spiritual family, see Laura in the rec center. You know, there's a thousand kids and rec ball and volleyball, blah, blah, blah. And, and they say, well, Laura, can we pray with you? And they just say a simple prayer, and Laura gets rocked by Jesus. Now, that's awesome. So anyway, you know, this is, um, wow. I... You know, it started actually when you said the river. Like, I realized there had been some stagnation in my heart over the last year. I realized I, I was almost like I was, there was a hesitancy in my heart because at some level, something in my heart had switched, and I felt like I was in this season of, like, selling a product or introducing people to a service. And last night it was like, no, you get to invite people to follow Jesus. And that's awesome. 
And something began to switch, and then it was like, and you just began to pray for the river, and I realized there was some stagnation, and it just began to flow. So I guess my point is like, we've been walking in this for years now, but it's, it's never dull. It's never old and, and stale. It's awesome. I love it. And, um, and, and, the, and, you know, it's like when we gather together, it says, in, you know, in 1 Corinthians, we gather together, we're gathering together as God's people, his temple, and he's in our midst. And that is a powerful and potent thing. Like we get together and we get to hang out with Jesus together. So we're not coming to a service or to listen, you know, sit in a church building. Like I have done that way too much in my life. I'm done with that. That is lame. But to get together and hang out in God's presence with God's people, that's good. So anyway, I don't know if there's anything you want to share, baby. But, yeah. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, so tonight during worship, I was reminded of um, March of 2017. I was in this building and it had pink carpet. Um, and it, 2007, because we're in 17. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 10 years ago when you're having fun. And um, so we were in a circle, and Mono, um, who he's very missed this week, isn't he? Mono, we miss you. We love you. Um, and uh, he started some worship, and I spun myself out of control and passed out on the floor. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> um, but the Lord just reminded me of tonight um, as we talk about the dry bones and, um, and you know, the pain and the betrayal. Um, and I was just really touched. Um, Isabel has kind of three grandfathers. Um, one who's in a wheelchair, 98% paralyzed, who cannot hug her and love her emotionally and, and affectionately like a grandfather. And then my biological father's out of the picture. Um, and my stepdad, who's now adopted me, um, just isn't a Philly, touchy-filly guy, you know? And so I look over, and Is Isabel's just being embraced by Tim tonight. And you're just like, that is just beautiful. And, um, and anyway, through this process is, you're worth it. Mm. Amen. And I'm worth it. And Laura's worth it. Tim and Janet, with... Alyssa and Jason have been in this, and many of you, for many, many, many years. And you know it's worth it because you're in this room now. And I've been here 10. And I'm worth it. Amen. And Laura's worth it. And in 10 more years, Amen. they'll be worth it. And we're entering into a newness. And there are dry bones. Yeah, come alive. Come alive. Mm -hmm. I came alive. Passed out right here. Ten years later, I'm still wanting to pass out here. <laughs> but I'm not where I was ten years ago. Amen. Amen. 
<laughs> I mean, we've come a long way. Like, 16 hours of inner healing with Papa Tim and Janet and Bob and Diana. You know, and Bob's saying, well, we're just going to go ahead and find a place where you're free, and we're going to stay there. <laughs> That's right, Bob. And Bob, I'm still free. You guys catching this? Who is fighting for you? For your liberation? And I tell you what, we need ethnic unity. We've got to have this thing. We've got to have this thing uh, with every culture and people group. There's so much Jesus in every people group. If we don't have a connection that Jesus and them isn't going to get into us and we're not going to be whole. I'm telling you. Gloria a Dios. Hallelujah. So one day I guarantee you, mark my word, I say this every year, there will be a day, you mark my word, that you, that we will be far darker in this room than we are now. Mark my word. Mark my word. People come in and say, is this an African-American church? Yeah, kind of. Is, is this a Hispanic church? Uh, kind of. Is this an Asian? I don't know. It will be so incredible, the level of the love. But we will have another stretching to do to understand Hispanic life. We have to draw into the suffering package that it's... That has been, what has it been to be a black person in America for two and three hundred years? We've got to crawl into that narrative or we will not love well. We're going to have to listen and let our guard down and get this love thing. All right, there's more people I want to have you share. Just hang in there because God's talking to you right now. You know what he's doing? He's inviting you into a revolution. He's inviting you into a river. If you can't feel that invitation, you're, you, you probably just um, took some, you know, you know, what do I want to say? What's that motion sickness? Dar Dramamine. I'm telling you, Jesus is pulling on your heartstrings right now. Can you feel this? Can you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm being hijacked. My script is being upgraded. My story is being, I'm, I'm, my narrative is being, oh my gosh, my story is being re, rebuilt right now all, as we speak. And that's the whole point of this Je Jesus gathering, is to get your story changed and upgraded tonight. So I want you to meet Sue Redding. Come here, Sue. Come here. This is too cool for school. One of my favorite all-time people right here. Sue, just tell a little bit about your story. A little bit about my story. Okay, where do you start? Let's see. Um, well, I guess I'll start just before I met Tim, John, Tim and Dan at John's because I was at a point where I didn't know. I had been through several different church uh, situations and well I've been a believer for 
you know, 40 years and been through a lot of church situations, been to Bible college, directed a Bible college, and um, the Bible college was all about making disciples of Jesus. And so for two years, I went to school. I went to school for three years. For two years, I was director. And I never saw anybody come out of there looking like Jesus. And I was the director. And I went, something's missing here. Uh, so um, after that season was over with, right after, I met Tim, Tim and Janet and um, began to understand something about spiritual family. And um, I think the thing that, that really um, impassions me now is really the end game, which is about transforming the world. And about the only way we can do that is to be like Jesus. And how do we get to be like Jesus? Because I've been a believer for 40 years and I'm not getting any closer to being like Jesus, you know? And so what the Lord showed me is that through spiritual family, when we get together and we open our hearts up and we're, and we're humble and um, we're in a place that's rejection-free and that's, um, that's uh, you're loved unconditionally, then it's safe to just be you. And sometimes just being you is really not that pretty. And it's not, it doesn't look like Jesus when you're just you. And yet when you're in, a, when you're in an environment where you're loved unconditionally and you're rejection-free, then those things that are not like Jesus come out and get healed and, and leave you and you get delivered and you start to look like Jesus and you start to smell like Jesus. And then pretty soon the people around you start to, to look like that. And then pretty soon you, you are transforming the world because you're Jesus in skin. And so I'm in that process of, um, of becoming like Jesus and being around other people that are becoming like Jesus. And, I, and right now what God is doing to me is he's giving me a hunger for people that are lost. And I'm in a class that Tim teaches where we're gonna share the gospel and um, I'm just, I look at all my, everybody that I come in contact with now and I say, how, how am I gonna tell them about Jesus? Because I gotta do more than just live a life around them. I need to start t telling them what I know. And so that's where I'm at right now um, and I'm still in that process. But in the middle of it, I've learned that you have to love people well and in your microchurches, you have to be patient, and you have to love them, and you have to wait till they're ready to trust you to open up, and um, and then you have to love some more. And then, and the other thing that's really important is you don't fix people; only God does. Yes. So take that weight off, and just be there for people. They just need sometimes they need somebody to talk to sometimes. Sometimes God will give you ways uh, to help them in inner healing. And if we're just listening and we do what he says, there's no burden. It's just a matter of walking it out and choosing to keep walking it out. And like you guys say, it can be painful and there are betrayals and it hurts. But you just keep walking it out and he gives you the strength to do it and it is so worth it. I have grown more in the four years I've been here than I did in the 36 years that I was a Christian up to this point. So this is the answer that I was looking for. And for some reason, it didn't happen to me till four years ago, but I'm really happy that it did because this is my family. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Come here. Come here.
So, uh, uh, if you knew the, the backdrop of Sue's beginnings, abandoned by her mom, raised by a pretty troubled father, and around a lot of stepmoms that weren't always nice, this is a miracle. And when this woman got unlocked by family life, I mean, there was a, we, we met, there was a kind of a shutdown Sue. You didn't see that glowing. It was kind of shut down and the family unwrapped. This woman just unwrapped and unwrapped and she just, it was, it was in layers and layers and layers. And the next thing you know, woo, out pops this vibrant, life-giving, fun-loving, you know, proactive, take initiative, fiery woman. And I, you know, I'm like, Sue, you've got to be a, you've got to be a micro church leader. You've got to start practicing your leader. She was like, oh my God, what are you talking about? I said, no, listen, it's going to be okay. You'll, 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 you need to, you know, if I have to suffer, you have to suffer. Come on now, girl. And I'm telling you, she is starting to form a very healthy spiritual family. And she's the point leader of the spiritual family. Is that not exciting? Oh my gosh. We're going to see, in the context of family, we're going to see things happen in women's lives that are going to shock us beyond recognition. We're going to see levels of leadership, levels of anointing, levels of gifting coming up out of women that is going to blow our minds. But it's going to take really healthy men, really secure men, to create a context for that to happen. Does that make sense? In other words, it's going to, we need the male side of God, the female side of God. We need the whole enchilada to get the job done. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, honestly, we could go all night long. But we're not going to. You know what? I think it would be cool. Um, Kim, just to say a couple of words about what, what family life relationships have meant for you. Because I think, I think we need to hear from another, another woman tonight. And again, I'm not just picking out gender, but I mean, just Kim particularly has an anointing. Come on up here, Kim, and just share. Kim is a mother, and she's a grandmother. You wouldn't know it by looking at her. And Kim is also a microchurch uh, missional kingdom family leader. And so I just wanted you to just share, you know, just your thoughts tonight. Just what's going on inside of you? What are you thinking? Oh my goodness. Wide open. Yeah. <laughs> Felt like a kid in school going, please don't pick on me. Please don't pick on me. Don't do my I was trying not to. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I will say what, um, what Sue said. Um, in the years that I've been involved in this. We met Tim and Janet a little over three years ago, uh, my husband and I. Uh, my son was involved in Rock Tribe and sharing with me what was going on and all this stuff. And we were coming back up into the Fort Collins area to live near our kids again. And honestly, it sounded a little cultish to us. So <laughs> we're going to come vet this thing out and kind of see what it's all about. And we got stuck and stayed and love it. <laughs> Um, I was a scared person, hurt like crazy. I still am. I come in here and I see lots of amazing, friendly, loving faces I know, and I see a lot of people I don't know, and I'm still a scared little girl on the inside. But I know I have a family, and 
when I come in here and I ha have the courage now to, to stick it out, to try and say, who do, I, who do I get to know better this time? Who am I going to connect up to this time? What surprises do you have for me, God, that I don't know about yet? Um, what fears do I need to conquer? And in these MKS, we're able to do that. We, we, you know, you talk about us being a leader. I mean, it, it's kind of a strange situation. My son and his wife are actually the leader of this, and we kind of came in alongside them and trying to figure out how do we lead alongside them without stepping on their toes and, you know, trying to be vulnerable with your own family and stuff. And it's really drawn us a lot closer because we started out probably with like 10 people and we're down to six. <laughs> we keep shrinking. But I think we are starting to gain ground for the first time in a long time. I've been in this group now over 18 months and it has been hard. We were in an MKF with Dan and Carol, and we're starting to get healed there and starting to connect, and then we moved, and all of a sudden you got to start a whole new family life, and it's messy. Um, it's hard. We had two people that will not, for a while, show up every other week, every two weeks. They got excuse after excuse, and nobody wants to come. And how do you stay in there? We would go home afterward going, what are we doing this for? This is so hard, but you just kind of keep hanging in there because that's what family does for each other. You don't give up. Um, this whole thing is translating to my own family. I have a situation where my parents have moved in with us, and, and so I'm seeing this not only in a spiritual family, but also in a biological family of trying to learn how do I build relationship with these people that I have known all my life, but I don't know how to get along with them. And I'm having to translate all this over there. And I'm sometimes wondering if it's ever going to happen, but I know now, like I've had my mom say, this is kind of an irreversible situation. They've moved in with us. It's not going to change. And she's afraid. She said that what if I wake up one day and you say, this isn't working. You need to leave. But this Rock Tribe has taught me about covenantal family relationship. And as I said, Mom, this is a covenant. It's like when you have kids, you don't just decide, these are a lot of trouble, I'm done with this. You know, they're your kids, you figure it out. And that's what we're doing with each other, we're figuring it out. And um, in the last month to month and a half, we took that manual and we took some pages out of it that well, we, we wanted to finally say, okay, let's, let's as a group figure out, do, are we all on the same page here? So we pulled out the OSV set, and we just like, these are the expectations of what it means to be a part of an MKF family. Let's go over these step by step, line by line. Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. We still aren't done. We've been doing this now for six, seven, eight weeks. We still got five or six of these expectations to go over, but something's gelling. Something is just like, okay, we're, we're connecting face to face. This is what we want. And we're not going to quit till we get there. And um, it's been amazing. And I feel my heart. I mean, I, in an MKF, I started realizing there were people that came in that they just rub you the wrong way. You know, you just, I, and, and my old personality was, it's okay, I don't have to be friends with them. I'll just be friends with the people I like. And... <laughs> And then the Lord said, you, you can't do that. You can't put walls up against people because you don't do that in a family. You gotta start opening your heart up and start learning how to appreciate a certain hurdle. And I started having to press in 
to the people that I wasn't really that crazy about, and I started finding a change in my heart. Like, I see them now, and my heart, like, leaps. Like, I'm so excited to see these people show up because I started to see something, and God's making me have to grow up. And I love that. So that's one of the best things I've ever seen is we are growing up. And um, that's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> No, you know how hard that is to step up and do that without any prep work. Like literally, I have gave her no warning. I gave Sue no warning. I gave Andy no warning. And there's a reason I did that. Because I wanted to humiliate them in front of them. No, that's not. No. The reason I gave them no warning was because I wanted you to understand that this is real. They're speaking out of their spirit. They're not echoing some script. They are literally, it was not hard for them to pull right up out of their human spirit the rhythm of life that, they're trying to, that, that we are trying to live. So um, this thing looks so ominous. I mean, it looks like a Bible. All it is is just some recommended ways to love better. And I'm not going to make this available to you, okay? I'm not going to try to sell this book to you tonight, okay? I, I wanted you to see that this is a body of material that we've grown together and accumulated together. My name happens to be on the cover, but I guarantee you this was written by every single person that has gone on this journey in blood, sweat, and tears. And what we want to do is we're sounding an invitation out to not just the Midwest, but to the nations. And what we want to do is we've developed a ministry that is neutral. It's not it's, you can't join it. It's, it's really more neutral. It's Jesus tribes. It's a, it's, a, it's a catalyst for a move of God that doesn't require people to come into the rock tribe. It's just, we want to bless. If anybody's open to a lot of Jesus, we don't claim to have all of it, but we want to go on the journey with you and we want to make whatever we have available to you. And we're going to partner with people that aren't in the rock at all and, and we'll never be in because we don't care. They're in Jesus. So this is not a rock tribal gathering officially. Yes, there's a lot of people from our family of churches, but it's really a Jesus gathering because we want to ignite something that makes Jesus look good. And I would love to get into a conversation with Roman Catholics and Baptists and Presbyterians and Lutherans. I would love that. Just to be one of the voices that, they, that, that we talk together. Come let us talk together. The AG Church right down in Springfield. I would love that privilege. And I want to learn from them. I mean, some of the best small group people I just got introduced to by Michael and Terry Sullivan. And I'm going to have you close us up to, tonight, Michael. Um, and maybe Terry too. I mean, you know, if you've got a thought or an insight. And so... The, it's called the life model, and I've introduced that insight in here. It's some of the best research on brain science, on relational formation, on how the brain works, why we need joy, why relationships, why joy comes from relationship. It's, the, it's believers who are neuroscientists, who are psychologists and theologians that have come together and said, we have got to help facilitate a lot better healthy relationships in the body of Christ. Because we're not helping people get well. We're not creating a setting where they can be de-traumatized. 
or matured. Those two words. We need a setting where people can get healed from the traumas of life, both omission and commission, and they can be equipped to be like Jesus in a loving environment. Now you tell me who's doing that well. So anybody that's developed, you know, that's taken some time and researched this out and helped wounded people get well, I, they get my attention. They get my attention, and this group has gotten my attention. And so we're integrating that into our model. And here's what I'm going to invite tonight, and then I'm going to have Michael come up. We want to create a war chest that empowers a revolution of love. And this war chest is a resource that we're going to use to make resources like this available to people that don't have the money for it. And what I want to do is I want to gather people like Michael and Sam and others and Norman Marcy. We want to gather a, a team of people and come back into this region and put on equipping experiences that be a catalyst for changing the way we do church to where it's authentic and real in New Testament. And we're fighting for the reforming of the church, the restoring of the church back to family. And we are going to fight this spiritual battle for the rest of our lives. We are not going to um, be, uh, be um, sucked back into disconnecting and superficial relationships. So I would like you to consider supporting this tonight, this war chest. And somebody throw up the text to serve. I don't know. Is somebody back there? Throw up. You can write a check. It will go to the rock, but it'll be we're going to use the funding, much of it, to start a thing called Jesus Tribes. And, and I have a whole website that I'm going to make as a resource to, to the body of Christ called micro-churches.com. It's going to be anywhere, I mean, available to anybody. I want to just basically take the rest of my life and find women and men that are willing to be equipped to be trainers of these therapeutic spiritual families on mission. And I want to find people that want to lead these groups. And I want to find people, another level of people that want to be trainers of leaders. And I came to Sue and I said, Sue, I feel like the Lord is telling me, you are not only going to be a leader of your own spiritual family, you are going to be a trainer of leaders. And she goes, that's my vision. And she wrote her vision down on a three pages, her life, her life mission, which, Terry, you'd be so proud of her as a life coach. She wrote her life mission with precision, and she's on the journey to become this massive, impactful woman of God. Is that exciting? And one day, Sue will be in front of top leaders, and she'll be sharing with them her life experiences and the, and the, and the principles that she's learned on how to do inner healing and deliverance and how to set and liberate people to their fullest true self, how they're known in heaven. So there's the text to give. You can text a gift or you can slide your in, uh, credit card through one of these sliders, which Sue happens to have and Laura happens to have. So why don't you come over here, Sue, and why don't you come here? Well, no, I, that's better to stay back there. If you want to slide your card to that, do it. And we're going to then pass the baskets. And you can just write a check, just rock, and it will go straight into this this Jesus movement that we want to underwrite. So, Janet, can you just start the... Do we have basket people? Oh, okay, you guys. The basket people. The basket people your basket cases. And I want you to really consider 
I want you to really consider helping to underwrite this revolution. But more than that, I want you to consider inquiring about how you can go on this journey. Now down here, we're, we've got several microchurches. They're not perfect. They've got issues. We're working on upgrading them as we go. But you know what we want to do? We want to saturate these spiritual families on mission all through the city, all through the region. I happened to come to Christ in a little town of, what was Tarkio? Three. 2,500, 2,300 people. And there was, there, was, there was not a vibrant revival culture in that little town, that little farm town. And when we met Jesus, we jumped straight into small spiritual families. We didn't even know what they were at the time. And God exploded across that rural place. And, and now so many of my friends, I'm on Facebook, they came down to Elise's celebration from high school because they were still connected in the spirit with us in college. So guys, this is a way of life. This is a profound way of life. So again, just pray about it right now. And um, you can text to give. You can text an, you know, a donation on the phone, or you can swipe a card, or you can write a check, or throw in cash. Okay, Michael, I'd like you to come up and cap this off a little. You and Terry. If you would tell if you don't want to, that'd be great too. These two have had an, a revolution in their life over the years. They've been right in the charismatic movement, right in the prophetic movement. Michael has written one of the premier books on just the prophetic, you know, giftings. And they were with, they, we were buddies back in the 80s. And Michael and Terry have carried a torch for, um, hi Terry. <laughs> hi buddy. Good to see you, sweetheart. They have an amazing family, their grandparents, and they were young, early, you know, Jesus movement people. And so, Michael, I think the Lord has something, and Terry too, just to cap this off tonight and then to lead us in, in closure. But we're inviting people onto a dangerous journey, but, but we're also wanting to equip people. So you get the point of what's going on, and God's going to speak to you. So. Are you guys okay? We're, gonna, this, we're not going to go much longer, but I want you to, I know that God's going to deliver something really important right now, so please just get your spirit awakened. I don't see any sleepy people. I actually feel highly attentive right now. I know, I feel like you guys are feeling the electricity of the invitation of the Lord going on. Like your life, if you're paying attention, your life is never going to be the same again. But you're never going to hurt as much as you're going to hurt, but you're never going to love as much and be as alive as you're going to be. Okay, so here you go. I loved your analogy about driving with our foot on the brake when it comes to relationships because it's something we all were born for. It's something God created us for. And we, in, we intuitively and instinctively know we have to have heart-to-heart, life-on-life relationships that are authentic. Somebody was telling me the other day about the ATV. We need an ATV. Did I say that the, last night? Yeah. Authenticity and uh, transparency and vulnerability. Right? These things are essential to relationships. And they are scary, you know, because we've tried at times in certain settings and we've gotten hurt. And so we still long for it, but there's a part of us that's scared, and we have to get through that. 
One of the things I thought about as I was listening to everyone share tonight about their microchurches is, uh, uh, well, I, I thought about it and then I lost my thought. It'll come back. I am 62. <laughs> I'm so glad, yeah. I'm glad. Be healed. Be healed. <laughs> Man, I had it and I lost it. But anyway... Um, I'm going to turn the microphone over to Terry. Way to pass the buck, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, what, what I'm thinking of is just what I was seeing from the Lord during the worship. So I'll just share what I saw. So I, I saw an angelic being that the Lord was sending to earth in this hour to empower his people to be reformers. And he had some kind of a blue outfit on and it had a helmet. It was here to do war, but it was going to do it by making peace. So I saw an olive branch in one hand and I saw a torch in the other. And I was just talking to the Lord about it. Okay, so what does this mean? And it had the name Reformer on the helmet. And, and I believe one of the most powerful weapons that the Lord has given us is peace. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that comes when every, all hell is breaking loose. And the peace that can come because we have relationships that are secure. I mean, it's, it's a powerful, powerful weapon. And it's in short supply in our world. And I felt like there, the fire was to reignite our hearts in ways that we just, we are burned out. And maybe, maybe our flame is not as hot as it used to be. That he was coming to reignite passion in our hearts. But he was so clear that he was going to make war by making peace. And we would be peaceful warriors. And by that, we would be able to reform all spheres of, of this world. The religious sphere, which that's what's happening here, and that's what we're doing too. We're leading a church called New Hope Community, and we're doing small groups and spiritual families. That's what we're doing, because that's what's really most important. And we've been in pastoral ministry for years, and all kinds of wars that, that had nothing to do with peace, you know? And what it all boils down to is small circles of relationships that are kind of platoons that make the difference in the earth. And so that's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. We're doing the same stuff. But I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm coming to help. I'm coming to give another le level of help for the initiation of this Jesus movement that we've been praying for ever since we got started in it. We've known there's another one that's coming We've all done this thing for 40 years, and, you know, there's just lots of 40-year cycles of things in the scripture. And I just believe that we're at the beginning of a new thing that the Lord wants to do, but it's characterized by the power of peace, passion in our hearts, and peace that we carry, and we make war by making peace. Amen. The, uh, the scripture says in James that, you know, the, 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 
peace that is made comes from those who have the peace in their hearts. And we need to be peaceful people, and we need more peace. One of the encouraging things that I want to say to you is that even though Tim has said and others have said it, that this is challenging, you know, there's, there's hard conversations that you will have when hearts are opened, you know, to each other, but there's also a, a, a key, I believe, to uh, sustainability with our spiritual families, and that is by making sure that we do a lot of joy building because uh, it, if we have joy capacity, a greater joy capacity, then we're going to be able to uh, handle the challenges much more gracefully. And so what we're learning about is how to grow more peace and more joy into the human soul. Uh, and we're helping people grow in peace and joy capacities so that they can engage and handle the things that we didn't used to be able to handle, the things that used to freak us out and make us afraid and cause us to back away. Uh, we're not backing away anymore because there's enough joy and peace capacity being built that makes it, you know, a lot easier. And uh, even though, you know, like Jesus said, uh, take my yoke upon you uh, and you'll find rest for your souls. And his yoke is a yoke, but his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we need to make sure that there's enough lightness, you know, that comes from the, uh, from the joy that we can build. And we're learning some real practical ways of how to do that. And we will talk more about that, I'm sure, uh, with, with you guys and just keep feeding, you know, each other the things we're learning that's going to make this work and be sustainable and not fall apart. So... Why don't, we, why don't we stand and, uh, and I'll pray for us. So That was sort of what I was thinking about saying, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, he was asking what's the key to breaking through this you know, driving with the brake on, like, how do we get our foot off the brake? And I, I do believe that, I'll, I'll just give you a real simple tool. I believe that we need to become experts in gratitude. I think that that's the key, is if we will become experts at gratitude in our lives, and, and, and not just gratitude when we gather together and have the gratitude meeting, but when we leave the gratitude meeting and we're at work, the next day and we're in school it's the normal way of being is to cultivate this habit of gratitude because gratitude is the password into the presence of God and if and it's also an on-ramp into hearing God so we're teaching people how to practice gratitude and then say now imagine what the Lord feels or is saying back to you about what you just said to him and people hear God all the time that way. It's a very simple way to activate the prophetic. So that would be one thing that I would major on and focus on as a key to, if we can, if we can become experts at gratitude, then we're gonna have greater joy, and we're gonna have greater access to the presence of God. And when we come together and we have those challenging moments in our spiritual families, there's gonna be an, enough joy 
so that we're going to know it's worthwhile. So that's what I would say that helps us take our foot off the brake. So something practical, learn about gratitude. You know, like the, the apostle said it in many places in the New Testament, give thanks in everything. You know, give thanks in everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. There's always something to be thankful for. And we, we got to get those gratitude lenses, you know, on our eyes because, you know, the, the culture around us is not going to help us with that. And the enemy is certainly not going to help us. We've got to say it to each other a lot. We've got to read our scriptures and we've got to say it to each other. Like, remember gratitude. Remember to be thankful in every situation. I believe that this is a very important apostolic mandate for Christians. And I practiced it as a young Christian and then I kind of let it go in the name of, I don't know, kind of being more real. And that was a, a deception, you know. I just let it slip through my fingers, but I've come back to it. So I want you to come back to it, too. All right, Lord, thank you for this uh, gathering. Thank you for this Jesus gathering. And thank you for the spiritual families that you've made us a part of and that you've called us into. And, Lord, if, if uh, there are people in the room that don't have spiritual family, we pray that they'll that you will take them by the hand and lead them, Lord, to that circle of believers that you want them to really go deep with and grow with and serve and, and learn together from. Lord, we pray that you would, uh, that your presence would be uh, near to us and dear to us tonight and as we prepare for our gathering tomorrow. Lord, I pray that each one of us would just have a list of things we're thankful for as we lay our heads on the pillow tonight. And that uh, as we are grateful to you, Lord, speak back to us. Lord, help us to imagine what you might be saying back to us and let us hear your voice. We just declare what the scripture says. We don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Thank you, Lord. And just remember to breathe. Breathe from, breathe, I was telling people the other day, you know, it's really important to breathe. <laughs> Just think about it. Yeah, it's, it's important. So this is something God made, and so breathe deeply and, and speak the name of God when you breathe, right? Let's do it three times. Here we go. In is Yah and out is way, right? May the peace of Christ be yours tonight and the joy, the deep joy of Jesus. Amen. Wow. And he stayed right up here. Hey, guys. Tomorrow at 9.